Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to an episode of Beyond Bitcoin. And we have been traveling again, haven't we, Nitin? We have, and it's, it's interesting that we both are back to our home bases. So let's, uh, let's open up that, the can of worms, if I can call that, Derek, and discuss our travels. Well, the great thing about our travels this time is that although we've both been attending conferences, they're very different locations, very different cultures, and very different circumstances that are driving them. And so we have an opportunity today to talk about the differences of the conference that you attended in, in the USA, which was permissionless in Austin, Texas, and what happened yeah. with my attendance at Singapore for the token 2049. And it sounds to me from our little discussion beforehand, it's somewhat different. So let's go through that. Token 2049 in this wonderful city of Singapore, it's such an extraordinary place. I had 10,000 attendees, 200 speakers, 300 exhibitors, and get this, Nitin, 400 side events over the week. Oh my God, it's a small city, 34 kilometers, and you have 400. How do you keep track of 400 events? I mean, how well, do you know which one to go to? <laughs> so, so you're the king of side events, but I'll tell you how my and me as an amateur does that. I had a spreadsheet with 145 side events on it, and I went through that <laughs> spreadsheet and decided what was interesting and made application and went along to the few side events that I did attend, all of which were fascinating. So, so we'll go through a little bit of that because, as you know, a lot happens in the side events through all of this. So. You know, it started with an opening panel discussion, which I was at, at the main token 2049 on the Wednesday and Thursday it ran last week. And we listened to, among others, the CEO, Brad Garlinghouse from, from Ripple, Ripple, you know, talk about what was unquestionably still the cloud in of the event, which was the SEC regulations. Now, I would argue it was a cloud, not the dark thunderstorm that simply covered everything with rain. It didn't. It was, it, it was there. People talked about it. It was an annoyance. But Asia's moving forward. And that's the interesting take out of this. Asia's looking at this and thinking this is an opportunity to move forward as America is fumbling the ball. And so let's talk a bit about that. So the panel was really put together. But before you to, go, before you go yeah. forward, Derek, help us understand. You had ten thousand people from my, and I was truly envious. And I would say this is one of the few moments I'm actually envious because I'm usually traveling all over the place. Yeah. Ten thousand people, four hundred side events. Yeah. Action-packed week, including yeah. the F1, which, as a car lover, you tell. Please describe that. Uh-huh. But could you describe the structure of the conference? Like, you know, how do you decide in such a big event? As to what 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 is the few things you pick? Because you can't be omnipresent. You have to pick your poison, your track, and how do you how do you navigate that? I'm sure you had Expo too, which is a whole barrage of all these startup companies who are trying to make, make a name for themselves. How do you navigate that in like two and a half days without actually losing your mind? 
Tell us that before um, we go into the summary of the event. Well, you have to look at the info. You have to look at what are the events beforehand. Make sure you sort of map out a plan for what you're going to do for each one of the events. Then you look at the timing. Then, of course, you've got to book appointments. I had a number of people that I met during that period of time because I'm fascinated with the concept of tokenizing real world assets and mm. ultimately tokenizing our funds in the in the future. And so I wanted to learn yeah. more about that. So I met those people on the side, and then. Then it's the side events are really are the topics of interest to me and are they generalist topics that are going to be broad and something that we can engage with. There are a lot of technology side events, hackathons, this sort of thing, you know, youth, the youth of the future. There's no question that this is this is technology of, you know, the next generation coming that are going to use it. There's, they already call them Generation C, the crypto generation. And so, so putting that together, you basically map out a plan and then slot it in. And then you, you, then you weep over what you don't get to see. Because the fact of the matter is you cannot be everywhere at every event and you have to miss out on some on the way through. And, and hopefully along the way, you might meet people that have that have been to those events. But you know, we talk about that youth for just a moment. I sat next to a young, young guy, Teo Mitigag. We might even invite him onto the show. He's 14 years old, sitting in the front oh my row God. of the conference with me, right? Absolutely animated by the space, engaged in everything, looking for an internship, which I'm probably think he's probably already got because so many people are interested in speaking with him. He has been active in trading in the space, learning about the space, owning NFTs, et cetera, et cetera, for two years. Now, that's since he was 12 years old. He's been active <laughs> in it. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you meet young people like that, you realize that the future are those generations that are coming through now that are actively engaged in the space those guys that don't have 20 years of finance history behind them that are just looking at better ways to do things. So it was fascinating to, to sit next to this Amazing. young man and we may well get him on the show just to show you what, a, what Generation C is all about. However, once you've gone through and you've mapped out your gameplay, you then, you know, you then do your best to attend the events and, and gain the information. So it's always, I find, important to attend the opening key speeches along the way and from those get a direction of where this this industry is going and the opening key speech was truly it was wrapped around of course was wrapped around regulation and mostly around the us and also around real world assets and and what opportunities exist there and i i felt that was fascinating but one takeaway was that the ceo of 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 ripple which is brad garlinghouse as i was saying earlier on says that look the sec can be beaten we've proven it and so has grayscale and that's given vigor and and belief to many others that have gone in and now will be fighting the sec on on essentially regulations that are either outdated or not comprehensive and in some cases getting made up and so the panel went and discussed sort of the regulations that were really just lacking in the USA versus what was happening in Asia. And of course, we've seen what's happening in Hong Kong, which was, which was particularly fascinating. And they talked about the, what was happening in Korea, because there was just beforehand, there was a Korea 
crypto gaming conference. And just before Token 49, there was also a conference on in Bali on, on crypto. So, so you see what's happening. The area, Asia is, is, is bubbling with engagement. It's on lit this. up. Lit yeah. up on engagement on this, which was, which is really fascinating. And so I might, I was going to sort of hold this on to the end, but I, I might cover a bit of this now and we can get back to some facts and, and information, but a lot happens in the side events. And one particular side event was attended by um, a, a close associate of mine. And he, he said to me, he said, top level people, because this particular gentleman's in a top level bank. He said, top level people are in the room. He spent a day talking to some of these big decision makers. He said, but the conversation I found most fascinating was with a Chinese government representative who was there, not officially yeah. representing the government, but clearly talking about the government's interest. He said that China has a thousand Web3 developers employed and blockchain developers employed by the government just developing Web3 blockchain applications. Oh my he God, said that that's amazing. Our goal is to produce good Web3 applications that will get this quote, build social harmony. That is so unlikely coming from China, but it's at the same time astonishing that this is happening at the leadership level. That yeah. And I think it's not new because China, when I was at IBM, we were looking into building blockchain networks. And Derek, if you recall, China was the first country that built a national level grid called BSN which was a blockchain network, like a grid computing network open for all to build their application on top of it. It never took off because of the on, on ban and off ban that China went through over the past few years. But that was the initiative that China did. So I'm, 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 I'm amazed to see this is still happening and they actually have done this at their leadership level. So that's, that's fascinating to hear. They also said that Hong Kong was a testing ground for crypto and now we always guess this didn't we Nitin, when we I used to say yeah. Hong Kong looks like a petri dish to me but from an official he said we are looking at what's happening in Hong Kong and we're looking at how Hong Kong is picking up the interest in engaging in crypto and we see that as an opportunity to test our views on crypto there so just as we had thought and and one of the takeaways I asked this particular gentleman who had been speaking with him, I said, did you get the sense that they are simply developing the technology progressively or that they see there is an opportunity to develop technology here and get ahead of the USA while the USA is fumbling the ball? And he said, absolutely. And that was a really interesting statement. So, so you know, just in case one wondered while while america is fumbling the ball what what different countries in asia are doing and of course you know china's just this massive entity of asia and always referred to as such but they are actively progressing in this space with the intent of being ahead of the us and i can't say unfortunately the same is happening in the usa so it's it, it that reflected in a lot of what we saw there yes you know, each year you see a different theme of the conferences. You know, we, we see themes 
such as such as Web 3.0 was a theme one year. DeFi was a theme one year. You know, gaming was a theme one year. Metaverse was a theme one. Well, the theme this year is clearly real world assets. It's all about tokenizing real world assets. And we got Jenny Johnson, by example, who's the president of Franklin Templeton. And they've got about 1.4 trillion funds trillion. under management yeah. and advisement. Yeah, a lot. And they and she she's very positive about this world. In fact, they're developing a whole variety of tokenized real world assets in the form of T bonds and and stable coins, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And she said, anywhere there is a revenue stream, it can be tokenized. And and that's her view. So how the way her eyes see everything is that as she looks around the place, everything can be tokenized. Kind of like how we saw everything in 2017, but in a slightly different way, I think. <laughs> and yeah, her view was that yeah. this is the, this is like her view was that this is like the very first iPhone. It's the beginning of the entire revolution. And so she's totally excited about it. But from the real world assets viewpoint. Yeah. So so two things of this, right? One is Frankel Templeton actually had the same messaging and rhetoric when they were at Consensus. And I think Jenny herself was on the stage and she had this same enthusiasm, same messaging. And uh, they had a massive representation, Derek, when a typical space is quite expensive to get on the middle of the floor. And they were right in the smack dab in the center. And they have a platform called Benji. Benji is a platform that allows them to be able to tokenize and being an investment manager, and a lot of people don't understand the nuances between the various market participants that represent the capital market and the capital market infrastructure is that you have banks and you have investment banks and you have investment managers. And the job of investment managers is to take risks. They, are, they understand the risk, they, they quantify the risk and they take risks. And they are, think of them as a private entity that they have to deal with much more highly regulated entities because it's the... Entities like like State Street, like Bank of New York Mellon, like JP Morgan Chase, and like Fidelity, who are broker dealer networks, they have a higher threshold for fiduciary responsibility and potential treatment of assets, whereas investment managers create products and sell those products. And the back office and middle office is to maintain the, the thesis and what they have to maintain. So they need some clarity, but they can issue product, they can issue products at some point as long as those products are governed and taken care of as any fund would do. So real world assets, and I'll I'll draw back from Singapore and draw similar analogies and permissionless now. Hmm. The lion's share of conversation permissionless, which was quite surprising. One, it was very sparsely attended. So we have about 25% of expected capacity. So they're expecting about 5,000 people but pretty much all the halls were empty. We did have a pretty decent expo floor, which is the newer projects, but they were not exactly very crowded. It was very sparsely attended. Data point number one. And the reason that was discussed at the conference, including some of the keynotes and main stage, is that a lot of audience have moved to Singapore, which is where you were, enjoying all the attention that Singapore did and Asia is doing, which is, as you mentioned, the series of events in Bali and Korea's Korea Blockchain Week, and then eventually Singapore, followed by eventually this moving to, to, to Hong Kong a week later. So I think all of this is indicative of the interest. And the only conversation we had was same of the same. So fact that, yes, crypto is great, we need to do more. There was hardly any conversation around 
building and innovation and what we need to do. It is more towards, yeah, we are fighting the regulation. There was the institutional track and there was a culture track, which was interesting because that's talking about the culture and the ecosystem, which I didn't choose to attend because I had a different, so just like you, you can only do so many things at a time. Yeah. And institutional track was a small room, so it was packed. But I would say that the institutional track was not as well attended as it could have been if this was a bear market, if we had regulatory clarity. And lion's share of conversation was around the the same. It's SEC or regulators, lack of regulatory clarity, what happened in Congress. So it is more towards policy conversation, mm. lack of innovation. And I just felt I, it was kind of boring to me. You go to these events to learn. You go to these events to to connect with people and and share what's exciting, what's new. And I didn't get to do that. And after so many years, Ooh. I felt that conference was complete. That conference is complete waste of my time. I did get to meet a lot of people or friends. So it's completely opposite of Token 2049 in Singapore. And maybe, Derek, as you alluded to, it's a sign of the times that talent, ideas, excitement, it's all moving away because people want to hear more stuff. And ideally, I've if I was not traveling a few weeks before to Europe, I would have been in Singapore only because I think Singapore, besides the great food and a great town, and great city and 400 amazing events with 400, 400 uh, plus, you know, personalities that you could meet and share your perspectives. I was stuck in Austin. And so that's sort of a quick reporting from permissionless perspective. And I wish it's better next year. Hopefully we have some clarity and we can move on to actually building and innovating. So yeah. I'll pause here, Derek. And over to you in terms of other Singapore experiences that you've had. I, I hear your pain because you're the you're, you're extraordinary <laughs> conference goer. You you know a good conference and you 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 networked and really very well known too, of course. And and I was surprised how many people we I spoke to along the way that had heard our our podcast and and uh, and commented on that, which was which was excellent. And so I would really love another token twenty. 2049 this week, like to continue it to be able to actually get to the rest of those 400 side events, etc, because they were so interesting. But it is clear that this particular period of time and event was was focused on tokenization of real world assets. And so maybe just speaking about that a little bit, with that focus, you know, we had Michael Gogner, who is the managing director of chain analysis, turn around and say, you know, that, that he thinks that real world assets will end up becoming 99% of all transactions on blockchains, which I've got to say, I wasn't thrilled about hearing unless, unless real world assets just become so enormously large. But I think this is in keeping with the current kind of annual euphoria associated with real world assets. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, real world assets, we understand that, we know how to tokenize it. Wow. So real world assets are going to be tokenized in the future and income streams are going to be tokenized in the future. And this is a revolution. Yeah. Well, of course, to the crypto goers, it's not a revolution at all. It's like a side it's event. Not. That's right. <laughs> you know, the so, revolution is wrapped around <clears throat> democratization of assets and decentralized finance and, and, you know, business being done on the metaverse and, and, and in the entire worlds of, of, of tokenizing digital assets and, and digital personas, et cetera. That's, that's what we kind of think the revolution is. But as traditional industry comes to it, they go, wow, so our industry can be tokenized. 
this is a revolution. <laughs> well, yeah. So that? here's the thing, Derek, I spent a lot of time on this topic because I do work for a very large GCP, which is globally systemically yes. important financial institution. A uh, lion's share of my energy goes into discerning, deciphering what it needs to convert real world tokenization. And, and I don't think we're anywhere close to 99%. In fact, I think the industry has done 0.001% so far, which is the likes of Franklin Templeton, who have taken an easy money market fund and tokenized it in native form, but the back mm. office systems are the same. Mm. So let me peel the onion a little bit more for the audience to understand what mm. the C is. You have the crypto ecosystem, which is driven by crypto economic, the mining and the minting and the proof of work and staking. This all are the primitives around the crypto assets, which has tokenized assets whose value is determined by the crypto economic principles. And then you have the real world assets. When you say real world assets, these are gold and commodities and equities and stocks and bonds and debt, the income stream as 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 you pointed out, Derek. And the ability for tokenization of this today is only at the surface. So you tokenize mm. something, you issue it, but it's you don't really achieve the true value of asset tokenization until you actually eliminate or minimize something called the mid-office and back-office functions. So mm. this is the function that does record keeping. This is the function that does valuation. This is the function that makes sure everything is in order before they move the real movement of asset that actually happens, which me and you may not see it because we're interfacing with some uh, dealer broker through a website. So I wrote a paper on this topic, which I published three weeks back. It got a lot of mm. hits. And the 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 topic was basically is impediments and hindrance and and you know on in adoption of tokenized digital asset in an enterprise like what are the challenges, and and incidentally, I cited two fundamental issues that go with challenge and that's why I questioned the ninety nine percent thesis on this and I I today I I actually had a, a webinar with with Nasdaq which is published it was a live event when they actually asked my opinion on this topic. I cite two challenges. One is a harmonized operational framework. And one of the most important design principles that need to be adopted to achieve this is interoperability on for on-chain and off-chain assets. And what I mean by that is that for tokenization of real-world assets, an average company today, an average bank, spends 1.2 years. That's an average. Some of them spend five years and they spend two years. An average is 1.2 years. Mm -hmm. An average cost of any project is 1.5 million and 99% of projects have failed. And an average of seven vendors. So you can imagine the time it takes to onboard vendors and buy technology from them and do these things. And I came to a conclusion that we can focus on reducing the cost of failures by better understanding the business of getting into asset tokenization. Like, why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. So while Frankel Templeton as the investment manager can achieve and afford to do this, the lion's share of mid-office, back-office is done by other entities. And that has not gone away. We are still doing any mm. of that stuff. So, so some of these things are, it's great sounding. And for crypto, as you rightly pointed out, if, it, if, I'm, if I'm relying on, on this only because the crypto markets are a bit down, we are in a, still in a, in a bear market. So RWA or real world assets takes the center stage to say, can we revolutionize the entire financial system? Who are, who are the startup companies who are doing these things? But I would say, Derek, that if that messaging was the primary messaging, to me, it's a litmus test that we are still in bear market and crypto is still need to evolve and develop till it becomes the center of the stage. And I foresee convergence at some point, that at some point we should start to stop having this conversation 
and we say it's an asset and we view crypto as a fifth asset class and we view crypto as a fungible instrument that can be exchanged for other instruments. When we get to that stage, I don't think this debate should happen at some point because at that point, we would have understood the benefits and we will not no longer be talking about it. It's like internet, everybody has to have an e-commerce website because they already understood the value of doing commerce online. I equate that movement to, you know, that movement to 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 similar movement in 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 asset tokenization. So I'll pause here, but love to get to see if the sentiment was similar on to on token twenty five forty nine, or was it only bullish comment and no one really brought up, which is another issue with conferences. Everybody's so bullish that we forget and stop and take a pause to discuss challenges and impediments that we need to address as builders. Mm. So firstly, Nitin, I 100% agree with you. I think that's an extremely good synopsis of the situation. That's why, you know, I mentioned earlier on, each year there's a different different sort of area of focus, whether it happens to be DeFi or yeah. Metaverse, et cetera, et cetera. This year, it is tokenization of real-world assets. And and I 100% agree with you. It's, it's the focus because it's a bear market. And oddly enough, as we've discussed before, you know, we are so excited about extraordinary new democratization of assets and the ability to see global trade outside the silos of, 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 of just country bases. And this is an extremely exciting, you know, area of tech that's there. However, it's there because everyone's very bearish around the current market. So therefore, they're going and looking for tradition. And so we, we are looking towards BlackRock endorsing an ETF <laughs> with excitement. It's bizarre because two years ago, we'd be going, why would BlackRock do an ETF? You don't need one. And so we are at this stage as an industry looking towards traditional industry engagement and involvement with the hope that that's going to pull us out of this bull, this, this bear market into a bull market. I agree 100% that this is just this year's interest and it will continue to grow, no question, just as decentralized finance continues to grow, et cetera. But convergence is just highly likely, Nitin. You know, why wouldn't you converge when you've got an extraordinarily efficient way of being able to transact huge amounts sure. of volumes of transactions in an immutable form of blockchain? Whether you transact digital assets or you transact digitized real world assets, it's just the logical place to be. So we're just at another stage of history in this space. Okay. And yeah. for those that are in the real world assets, they consider this the beginning of the world for them. It's the iPhone. And whereas <laughs> you and I think the iPhone was in 2016, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. So so Derek, tell us, tell us a little bit more, and this is not a crypto or digital asset conversation. It's another passion of yours is cars. And I believe... Yeah. I, I don't know if this was planned or this just happened to be coinciding with the F1. And from what I hear in Singapore, having been to Singapore like a hundred times, of course, it's a very small country. It's 34 kilometers in, in length. And I've actually walked that on one of the Sundays. And I think that they convert the streets into F1. So tell us more about the excitement around F1. Was it after Token 2049? And did you have front row seats or front row a room window, whatever the avenue was for you to experience that. What, what is that like? And I know cars are your passion. You're 
you are you you light up when you talk about cars. Tell us more about that experience because I'd love to understand see that. Uh, it is just such an exciting, visceral experience. <laughs> you know, even if you walk around the city of of Singapore, you can hear in the background mid afternoon this magnificent sound of what a flat six engine's running. Flat six mean Porsche Carrera Cup. And if I wasn't there watching the Rare Carrera Cup, you could hear them in the distance. They sort of sound like an enormous swarm of extremely angry bees. And as you get up <laughs> close to them, it's just like the ground shakes and you see these incredible pieces of tech running past. And they are just a prelude to the piece de resistance, which is the F1s appearing. And when the F1 cars start going past for the first, first lap or so, and they're doing their time trials or their warm ups or whatever it happens to be, you just get to see these amazing pieces of technology, highly restricted by, by the, the amount of horsepower they're allowed to run because you could be running 2000 horsepower in these things these days, you know. So restricted by the amount of horsepower they're running, all running the same tire makes either, you know, soft, medium or hard, but all manufactured by the same time, all regulated so that these cars are competitive and no one gets a massive advantage over someone else. And you're seeing 62 laps around this incredibly pretty city of Singapore in the evening, which is the perfect time to do it because the, the temperature is right. And, and yeah. these 62 laps of these cars that kind of sound ominous and frightening and amazing at the same time as they fight each other to, to the end using both strategy and driving skills. And at the end of 62 laps, the difference between the first car and the last car is like 100 seconds. And often the difference between the first car and the fourth car is like five seconds. It's incredibly close. And so you imagine the degree of when they go in and have their pit stops and there's five seconds difference in the top four cars. Pit stops are important and, and how fast they're done and how quickly they get out. And, and this particular race was just stunning because Ferrari led the race the entire time in, in car number one, managed Amazing. to do that on soft tires and and get in and um, swap out the soft tires when there when there was a yellow flag that came out on the course. Lucky that they are always planning yellow flag because that's the opportunity for them to get in to swap out the tires. Uh, but towards the end of it, he's running out of tires. He's got soft tires that aren't aren't gripping any longer. And the last ten laps, by that stage, Lewis Hamilton and 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 George Russell, who are these sort of their you know prime competitors had gone in earlier on and swapped out their tires to good medium quality tires. And they were about 18 seconds to 20 seconds behind. And there was 10 laps to go and they were gaining two seconds a lap. So you do the numbers, two seconds a lap, every lap they were getting two seconds closer like this to the lead. Wow. And every lap, the Ferrari was just getting squirrely all over the course, trying to hang on because his <laughs> tires were going, everyone knew it was happening. And, and, and they actually banter on the radio. You can hear that you can hear the, the different groups talking to each other. Everyone hears it. So all the competitors hear what they say too. And at one stage, yeah. you know, the Ferrari was up the front and he said, I think I've got an extra one second up my sleeve. And George Russell in, in the McLaren was behind in, in, in the Mercedes was behind him and turned around and said, I would say two seconds. In other words, you're, you're holding <laughs> us all back. You know what I mean? We know you're yeah. holding us all back, you know, but you can do it around a course like Singapore. Any rate, these two guys managed to gain all of that. And in the last, in the last two laps, they were a second and a half behind him. 
and George Russell lost it on the corner and went straight into the wall, a padded wall, so he was fine, rode off the car in the last lap. And, and Lewis Hamilton became the third and, and Norris from McLaren was second. So it was an incredible race right to the very end wow. and very exciting. So I can sense the excitement in your, in your voice. Show. Yeah, such uh, a good show. And, I, and I where do you see this from? Going. Did you see it on the TV or were you actually in a from hotel a room that you could see? Yeah, no, I was in Oh, wow. Grandstand. So, so you right got to access to Grandstand. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Fantastic. That is, that yeah. is great. So yeah. was heat not an issue because it was in the so evening because it's still hot. I watched Robbie Williams in on the in concert afterwards, which was a brilliant show. Typical of what happens when you're at an F1, you get these amazing artists flying from all yeah. around the world and perform. And Robbie Williams said, how do you survive here? He says, it's hotter than the sun. And then you go into one of the hotels, et cetera, and he says, it's colder than the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so it's true. That's the way Singapore does everything. It gets very hot in the afternoon. Um, well, then we have so, to yeah. invite you to Austin, uh, Derek, because we do have an F1 quota, which is Circuit of the Americas in Austin. Last time I was there, I think Max Verstappen was the 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 lead. He won all the yeah. F1s, including the last one, and he was very young, and it is yes. enviable. But but I I prefer watching on TV. I think I understand better on TV than in person, ex- except that you miss out on all the sounds and all the experience that you talk about. Yeah. So And there's big screens everywhere. So you actually get to see it. Even though you're sitting in a grandstand, you see a section of the track, you watch them on the rest of the track. And what's so exciting is that you hear them coming. So you're sitting there yeah. waiting and then all of a sudden you can just hear them coming around the corner. You're watching them on the screen going, one more lap, one more corner, here they are. And it's warm, warm, warm as they go past and everything shakes and, there's, and the grandstand shouting and screaming for each one of their sort of designated drivers or teams that they love. So very exciting. Brilliant that Token 14, 2049 is at the same time, very clever so that people can go and enjoy that. So all in all, a brilliant Great weekend experience. in Singapore and, and, and really very happy to do it again. And I think at the moment, the future of, of crypto assets at the moment, it's in Singapore. Sorry, it's in Asia, I, of which Singapore Asia. is a center. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, would, I would agree. And I think I used to go to Singapore quite a bit and I found the same energy and same enthusiasm, both from the regulators and the, the various projects that, again, we've been asked to participate, but we cannot. For example, Project Guardian, which is which is a MAS sandboxed environment, allowing financial services to experiment with the various DeFi protocols and using of real world assets. And that's why I think one of the messaging from MAS in Singapore, which is a primary regulator, mm-hmm. is acceptability and uh, openness to experimenting with protocols and figuring out the risks, which is the right way to do it uh, in any way. Uh, but before we wrap, Derek, I have one question for you, which is profound mm-hmm. Uh, and only you can answer it, I think, because you have equal level of passion, which you could sense from your description of F1 <laughs> and as you described the digital assets. You talked about regulation and you described the, the horsepower and the fact that you limit giving a competitive but in an equal playing field for mm. various participants. If you were to compare crypto to F1, barring the transport and rails, how would you how would you compare the two in context of regulation speed and the excitement that it generates and 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 the economics of? And it's a loaded question, and we didn't prepare for this, but I still want to put you put you on the spot <laughs> and 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 get your get your real thoughts, you know, around this. 
I think the youth are watching F1 and going, isn't this awesome? And I think <laughs> traditional finance is still driving in 67 Chevys going, aren't these things big and comfortable? And they're looking at the progression across there and they're going, we're not getting into that damn car. It's too fast and too dangerous. I think that's what's happening at the moment. Well, that's fantastic. That's very well put, Derek. I actually got it. And 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 on that, I think we should wrap. But thank you again for, for such an entertaining and exciting session and podcast. It was, it was exciting. And now I'm actually envious because I think I need to go to Token 2049. So the next one is in Dubai, which is in April yes. next year. And September, again, the year after, you know, next year in Singapore. I'll try to make to one of them maybe both. So we'll see where this goes. But but thanks again for your for sharing your experience with us. Look, agreed, Nitin. I hope to be able to get to one of them too. We've got to realize that um, Dubai is another major center in this space. And yeah. as America is, is, I think, feeling threatened by these Formula Ones and still driving their Chevys and enjoying the comfort, I, I think the rest of the world is looking to how, how to ad adopt it. And, and that's exciting to be in that sort of space. I, I will sort of round it up with a couple of statements from some of the big investment companies. And that is Chris Rain, the MD of Galaxy, turned around and said, look, I, the, the institutions are still kicking the can down the road, waiting for regulations to occur before they can invest in the space, but they're watching it. And Dan Pierio, who is the founder of 10T Holdings, they've got about 1.2 billion invested in this space, said, said that he's very confident that quote, the bull run will be well and truly in play by September next year. And so he sees us coming out of this bearish period. So those are the two predictions that I, I took from the show relating to the, both the institutions and, and the likelihood of the bull run coming to an end. So we've run over time, but, but that was a, a great event that, that we had managed to, to, and fascinating comparison between the two. Look forward to seeing you next week, Nitin. Likewise, Derek. Take care and rest up. I think you just kept, you just got back today. So we'll chat next week. Ciao. Indeed. Bye for now. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please contact Nitin Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week.